Welcome to Bucket Stop Blog, where I ask everyone the same question and record the conversation. The question is, let's talk about your perfect day, however you interpret the word perfect. Write down everything you want to do, then take a step back and split your perfect 24 hours into four buckets or priorities. Don't think about money, reality, or logic. Make it as perfect as you want. Don't think of it as your last 24 hours either. Think of it as the same 24 hours you'd live again and again to experience a full life of happiness and fulfillment. Hey everyone, welcome to The Buckets Project. Today's episode and conversation is with a great friend of mine, Patricia, or Party as we like to call her. The beauty behind revisiting these conversations from this project is that after months have gone by, you can have a status check on whether what you said in the past is consistent with what you are saying now. I have known Patricia a very long time, more than 10 years, and I'm quickly reminded of how grounded she was in the past and still is today. Because she is so grounded, she and her husband have fostered such a strong foundation for a wonderful marriage and a photography business together. They are each other's landing pad. Her and her husband have also been one of the biggest, if not biggest, supporters of this project. And when I say this project, I'm really referring to every idea, mistake, and adventure my crazy ass can think of. Like her mother often tells her, she can't give as much as she would like to just yet, but she can always give a great education. She and her husband have educated me on the value of love, friendship, and the resiliency of never quitting on your purpose. As you navigate through this conversation, I hope you pick up many of the valuable lessons that her and I share together. Thanks again for listening, and have a great day. So, um, the first thing I thought of whenever I was trying to plan out this whole day is that at some point, I have to spend time with Chris. Or actually, that's not even true. Doing whatever it is with Chris. Like, it could be the most mundane thing. Like, if it's something that we had to do to, like, take care of chores at home or work on his photography stuff or trying something new that day the value of anything that I do that day instantly increases if Chris is there with me that's kind of I think Chris is like a bucket separate from friends or family and like I that's the one thing that I remember from him telling me about his uh recording with you I was a separate bucket and whenever he said that I was like yeah no I think you would be a separate bucket. And the reason I say that is because my friends and family, I think the friends that I care about, I treat the same way I do family at this point. Like I care about them and would basically do about the same things that I would for family. So that's kind of why I keep them separate as opposed to I think some people would say their spouses and their immediate family would be one bucket. So that's kind of the first thing about my ideal day. Another thing is not necessarily that I wanted to like, I was so tempted to say like travel, go somewhere new. And if this was like a last day thing, I think that's the direction that I would take. But since this is a daily thing, I think just trying something new, um, like picking up a new activity or finding a new movie or trying out new food. I think that's where I am. Um, I like connecting with people in the sense that whatever they're interested in and willing to share with me means a lot to me, I guess. 
I don't know, like, how would you, I guess, like, describe that if it's, like, just something small, like a hack on how to do, I don't know, like, laundry or, like, organizational stuff or something new, like, hey, like, you should try out this new place or travel to this new, uh, I guess, like, area that you've never been in. As long as I I think, like, I'm trying something for the first time, like, that's what's important to me. I don't really like staying, like, stagnant. Yeah, so this this could go in a, a lot of different ways. Uh, whenever something seems a little bit broad, I always think in terms okay. of I always think in terms of isolation to kind of see if it passes the litmus test. Uh, in this sense, when you say something new, right? There's there's certain catchwords that came out like connecting with people. So here's one example. If I, if I'm using isolation as an example, I will say, Am I okay with learning how to cook in a kitchen by myself? Or do there have does there have to be 15 other people around me and we're all learning to cook together like that's a that's a litmus test question the other one is if i if i'm trying to learn something new does it look like it's coming from a book like am i trying to learn a different language or does it look like something where i am learning how to uh, garden am i going to be outdoors and so am i going to use my hands or am i going to use my mind so it really it, it's just more so of asking yourself more and more questions to help you identify um, what it is that you are trying to do and why. It's always about the why. So to me, mm. like from a from on from the other side of the table, it looks like you are just trying to satisfy this learning and developments portion of your brain. Regardless of what you do, whether you are learning how to garden or learning how to cook or learning a new language, it's all new, and it is only because you don't want to stay um, who you are today and stay knowing what you know today. Everything just wants to be expanding your knowledge base and your personality. Does that sound right? Exactly. That's yeah. a way more eloquent way than I could put it. <laughs> But yeah, I, I so like the, the backstory to that behind, I guess, is that growing up, my mom always said this thing where I can't give you everything you want, but the only thing I can give you is an education. And so I don't really have any, uh, I guess, like formal education lined up in the future, but I figured that there's little parts of my everyday life where I could take something new and like learn Mm -hmm. from people or from whatever I'm reading or from places that I'm visiting I always have something to take away from it and I just have to be open to that and I think like in the long run hopefully that makes me a better person or you know like something that I can pass along or share or you know it may be of value to someone down the road there's that and then I guess at some point during this perfect day, I'd like to be able to spend time um, with friends and family and the people I care about, preferably over a meal. I don't want to make food a bucket because I'm not really like a foodie. Like I, I think it ties more into the whole learning and trying something new part um, and kind of combining those two buckets is sharing food with people I care about. Probably one of my favorite things. I can't remember the last time I hung out with anyone without sharing food or drink and mm-hmm. you know during that um gathering and i think that that's just how i've been raised and it's a reflection of how my family um welcomes people and deeply ingrained in me and it's really hard to not do any given day quality time like the older i'm getting i'm not really the kind of um person now that prefers to uh I, no that's not true I, I i was gonna say i don't prefer doing activities with people whenever i'm seeing them but i think you know when you're when you're trying to catch up with someone it's harder to catch up if you're also trying to do an activity at the same time but if it's people that you see fairly frequently then it's easier to do a balance of like hey let's tr- do like i don't know a crafting class or 
like a cooking class instead of just sitting down across the table from each other and like staring each other down be like hey this is the fourth time i've seen you this week like i don't really think we have anything else to talk about anymore but so just spending quality time whether it's just being in the room with someone which is my dad's love language <laughs> he'll ask me to come over all the time but won't speak to me he just likes being in a room and like watching tv together like that's his thing so we're whatever that ideal quality time is depending on the people that i'm sharing it with um, i'd love to squeeze that in at some point during the day so that's three buckets we're at right now so this is where i need your help i'm not really sure what other things that could encompass a fourth bucket on some days my ideal day is is to just not do a single thing like if all i wanted to do is sit on the couch and veg out for that day i'm cool with that but then there are some days where i want to do 18 things and i will make sure that every single thing gets done that day on an ideal day, I talked to Chris about this. He's like, would you work on your, on like every single day? And I said, work as in what I'm doing right now? No, I don't find it particularly. It's not that it's not fulfilling, but it's not where I could honestly say that I'd wake up every morning and say, I can't wait to go to work today. I've always had this thing where if I won the lottery and like, you know, suddenly had access to a ton of money, I don't think I'd stop working. I would just pick what I would do for work. I'm not 100% sure what that outlet is just yet, but I want it to be around helping people, education in particular. Um, I don't share this with a lot of people, but someday, like, I want to eventually do an activity where we can all raise money one way or another to help build a school in like a third world country. So if that's something that I could do in my ideal day where I could put in work towards that, I think that's probably a a good use of my time and like what I would find more fulfilling than going to work. Again, I had no idea you were going to go to the education portion. That was was pretty awesome. Um, I've had a lot of these conversations with people that I've known for a year, and I've had conversations with people I've known for 15 years. And every single time, I I learn something new about that person. And here, in this instance, I I learned that education is actually important to you. And not just your own education, I mean. I mean giving education to other people. And the fact that you thought up of um, creating a school outside of your own community is, is pretty awesome. I don't think a lot of people that I've talked to have gone outside of their community. When they, whenever they say the word giving back, generally they think this person who needs it, you know, in this city or in this country, right? And then I come mm-hmm. across people like you or even my brother. My brother, he's working on trying to figure out a way where it's okay for restaurants to give leftover foods to the homeless and not be penalized for it, right? Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's not just about giving someone a dollar in terms of giving back. It's like, what is this really large problem and how can I contribute to it? And it's 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 so fascinating to see people like you who think so big picture, right? Um, mm-hmm. Now, the path to get there is obviously something to think about hardcore, but the, the, but the idea that you can think so um, broad and so like outside of your uh, normal perspective is, is, I think it's amazing. I think we need more people like that. I think that's why Bill Gates is so uh, innovative, right? Because he he just sees everything so big and how he strategizes for it. It's just the simplification of that giant idea. And I say that because I just went to the Bill Gates Foundation. It was it was awesome. Oh, okay. Now you said okay. you you said you needed help with that last bucket. Um, I I do want to clarify that if you don't want a fourth bucket, you don't need a fourth bucket. 
right? It's not a requirement. Okay. It's not a requirement. It's just something to know that if I wanted to fill it, I have the option to. So here's where we're kind of teeter-tottering, right? Do I want to veg out or do I want to open a school in a third world country? And those are two very different things, right? Right. And Super. <laughs> <laughs> so again, it's, it's more of how can I isolate the question so that it passes the litmus test? So in, in this case, if I were to sit around for four hours and do absolutely nothing, can I go to sleep at night knowing my day was fulfilled, right? That's the first question of isolation. Then the next question is, okay. if I dedicated 12 hours of my day to raise money for a school in Pakistan, was my day fulfilled? Can I sleep at night knowing that I didn't waste any of my day? Two very different scenarios, two very different sides of the spectrum. Which one does your mind gravitate towards? I feel like I've been raised in a society that says doing something for others is far more fulfilling than doing something for yourself. So like my default answer was like, well, yeah, of course, like doing work to build the school would be the more fulfilling thing. But as a very strong introvert, sometimes just keeping to myself does bring me just as much, much satisfaction as like going out and helping people like depending like if I'm because this is like an ideal day I don't think I'll need as much time to myself just because I don't I haven't done anything that day really to like make me want to like recover or like heal myself I guess and for a lack of better term the thing like this is the, what I'm grappling with, like struggling with is that I don't really know like both could ideally make me feel fulfilled at the end of the day yeah um Perfectly understandable. Um, the 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 key words that kind of popped out for me that I would encourage you to eliminate is that that society word, right? So if you think if mm -hmm. if most of society knows that they would gravitate towards this school in Pakistan, then if I just take out society and other people's perceptions out of the entire equation, the answer comes a little bit more clearly. If I really do want to be able to veg out and not feel guilty for putting effort into starting a school in Pakistan, then I should be okay with that. No one else can judge me for the decisions that I made to do nothing. And if my perfect day looks like I do nothing, then my day will be do nothing. And that's that. That's kind of the beauty of this whole thing is no one's no one should pass judgment on what you decide to do with your own life. And I'll give you an example. So there are several people. There are several people who straight up said that this last bucket is nothing. Or the way they worded it is, this last bucket is the power of choice. I want to be able to dedicate five hours of my day and do whatever it is that I want to do in that five hours. It's a consistent five hours, but if I choose to do nothing, I choose to do nothing. And if I want to bake a cake and it takes five hours, I'm going to bake a cake. And it doesn't really satisfy, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, it has to be with friends or it has to be with, with my husband. It's really just, this is what I'm going to do in five hours. I, I'm choosing. That's it. Now, I don't know if that's a like an answer that um, is necessarily clear enough unless it's a clear enough for you, right? If, if, if that really yeah. does give you gratification of having five hours to be able to choose, then that's the, that's the life you should live. Or in this ideal world, that's the life you should live. And no one I should ever, ever judge you for that. Yeah, I love that. Because, um, oh my God, I just lost my train of thought. It's like the thing that I grapple with is like, this is your everyday, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't think I would be okay with doing nothing for four hours straight every single day i guess when you frame it with the having to option to choose then yeah that works because it still makes me happy it still fulfills me whether i'm taking care of myself or i'm taking care of other people so i think brilliant yeah i love that and one of those buckets of power of choice and and came with um there was another bucket that was power of simplicity right 
um, the power to choose not to make a single decision. Like that was kind of cool. And that came from my brother. And he's actually kind of living this version of the perfect life where if he didn't want to make a single decision, he could because every financial decision has already been made. So he doesn't worry about finances. He just worries about the decisions he has to make to continue living some sort of lifestyle. Am I going to live in a van or am I going to live in a house? It's not because I have to. It's because I choose to. This is the power of choice. So in your mm-hmm. perfect day, if I want to help somebody or not help somebody, it's the power of choice. And it really just kind of comes down to that simple or that, that, that sense of simplicity. Yeah, And you really shouldn't wow. have to feel guilty for not choosing one or the other. So is that? Yeah, I think like the helps because um, I don't know, like I'm the kind of person that, you know, you remember like winter breaks in college, four weeks off and the first week you're like, this is so nice, like not doing a single thing. And then by like immediately after that first week, you're like, I am bored out of my mind. I need <laughs> yeah. anything to do. I want to go back to school now. Like I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. So like that's the kind of person I am. So anytime like we come back from like a dinner with like 20 people you hadn't seen in a really long time. I need to be alone for an hour or two, like not talk to anyone and just like recharge. Because like it's my choice wasn't to like see all of these people or um, they're not all people that having conversations with them makes me happy or makes me feel comfortable or it doesn't particularly add to my day. And so I think like that's the part that's draining. But in this ideal day, I doubt I'll run into that as much, you know? And so it's like, I'm only choosing to spend time with family and friends that I care about and want to be with and want to spend quality time with. So that's kind of where I'm, do I need that time to not do anything? But I'm just as happy, like not doing anything on some days. Chris goes out of town, like, cool. I'll see you in two days. I'm gonna, the first night, I'm just going to stay at home by myself. And then maybe I'll make plans for the next two days to see people. Mm-hmm. But if not, I'm cool, like running errands by myself, doing things by myself. And I'm perfectly okay with that. So, that, you know, like it's hard to kind of put it all in a bucket. But you're right, like having that choice to make that call, like game time decision of what I want to do with that time in that ideal day is like the perfect way to phrase it yeah or put a box around it i guess um so you know what's also awesome is your husband his last bucket was the exact same thing and it, it maybe really? i'm maybe i'm not recalling it uh correctly but i'm 95 percent sure that his last bucket um was being able to do whatever it is that i want to do and i thought like i just it's so cool that you guys are married and actually i think i think are all three buckets the same no no he had a he had a different one. Yeah, there's I only... I know he has a different one. Yeah, I so... I can't remember what it is. Out of four buckets, I'd say about three out of four buckets were the same for both of you, which is pretty cool. Uh, I, I think you guys might be the first husband and wife that I interviewed, and it's very awesome to see that your buckets align so well. How long have you been to Marion? Coming up on two years. On two? Yeah, in two. February it'll be two, which is crazy. How, how, and how awesome is it to know that... You know, you've been married two years and your priorities very close in line, 80, 80 to 85 percent, almost exactly the same. It's awesome. Um, Chris and I, before, like when we were dating, we had these conversations a lot about what big things couples can, oh, what's the word, compromise on and what things there are as a couple that you both have to be on the same page on to, for like from the get go. Otherwise, it'll cause like really big issues down the road. 
Like there are some things that if you change your mind on it down the road, it'll cause a bigger headache. Like we know of, we've heard one couple where before they got married, they're like, yeah, 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 like totally. We're both on the same page. We want kids. And now like, I think they're five, six years into their marriage. And one of them is like, nope don't want it anymore and the other one is like no like we're having kids and i feel like that like that's not really something you can compromise like you can't get half a child like you either have them or you don't and so chris and i had these conversations a lot like going into it and like with all that wedding planning or like the pre-cana stuff i don't know if you and steph went through that but um having people like ask you the hard questions to begin with and like if you're not ready to talk about it in depth right then and there that's fine but these questions are coming and knowing that, you know, eventually like situations that you'll find yourself in, it's good to be aware of that. So Chris and I were like, these things that like can't move, like there's no halfway, like what are, like, where do you stand on this? And are we good? Like, I don't know, just putting it all out in the open. I, I think it's, um, it's also valuable to know that, you know, um, I, and I interviewed a person who kind of responded this way too, is I was, you know, I was with this person for seven years. Yes, we knew each other very well, obviously, but we also grew and there was a sense of maturity that happened for the both of us. And even though we were both growing, we were growing apart. And so the value that what is valuable and um, important is that when you grow, you grow together. So you being, you know, with, with your husband for two years, every decision that's being made or every evolution of series of decisions that you make are together and you're constantly growing together. Now, there are those couples who they grow and may, maybe you have some couples where one grows and the other one just sits idle, right? Or they're content with who they are and how they're living and this other person just mm-hmm. keeps growing and that's, that's like a recipe for a divorce. Then there's the other portion where you got like two people growing at the same time, but now they're just forking out. In and other th- directions. Yeah. So uh, these, these, that's why these, these conversations have to happen quite frequently and consistently with the person you're with. That way you can track whether or not you're growing apart or you're not growing at all. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it also helps that Chris and I, like, I think in the beginning of our marriage, like, it's just to narrow it down to careers. At the beginning of our marriage, neither of us were really, like, happy with where we were. And so we were really good at pinpointing, like, what is it that you hate about, like, where you're at currently and, like, what can you do to fix it? And my downside is that I think I can fix everything, which no one can. And, like, that's something that I've come to learn uh, after all this time is, like, I can't offer a solution to every single problem. There, there's sometimes it just doesn't work that way. And maybe you just have to wait it out until something better comes along or one of let's say three issues that you had with your current job eventually gets fixed and maybe only worrying about two things instead of three makes it better improves your productivity it you know like it makes you happier to go into work or maybe it's like knowing when to bail and that in itself is a learning process and Chris and I have gone through both of those and so I don't know it's he's really good about um how do I how do you phrase like he's good about doing status checks without really like making it sound like a status check he'll just ask questions be like oh i did not think about that that way okay cool like maybe i need to address that or maybe that's something that i need to look into that didn't occur to me to begin with i'm super grateful for that and his crazy like theoretical questions that make me think that i'm like oh maybe that is something closer to real life that i realized that really struck me was when you said that you were kind of the problem solver or you feel like you're a problem solver that can solve anything. That's me. I mean, I, I that's how I feel. 
and there's only two points in my marriage where I threw my hands up and said, I don't, I don't have an answer. One of them was I got mm-hmm. fired from my first job and I tried to fix everything. I tried to find alternate means of income and I tried to do it all by myself. And when everything that I tried to do didn't work, I threw my hands up and said, I don't have an answer. That was the first time. The second time is right now. Here's me being unhappy with my job and not having an answer as to what that next job looks like. Um, So I throw Mm -hmm. my hands up and I said, I don't know. And by doing so, yes, it's scary, but but this is the opportunity where you and I, you know, me and you, my wife, you and I, we, we say, Okay, we'll figure it out together. Uh, We will make adjustments so that we find the solution to our problem. It's not just your problem. Because if you are unhappy, then this marriage is unhappy and our parenthood is unhappy for the kids. So it's a big domino effect. And it is very important that that you, I mean, you recognize that, um, that you are not the problem solver all the time. And there are situations like this, uh, they happen by circumstance, you had no control over, just like I did, or you Mm -hmm. have all control over the circumstance, and you just need to deal with the decisions that you make and the potential outcomes of those decisions. It's just like where I am now. It's a growing thing. Like you grow on purpose, or you grow by accident, but you should always grow and then make sure that you're growing together, like you and your husband. I think that's awesome. For you to realize that in two years, I mean, that means like uh, there are marriages out there who've been together for 15, 20 years and they still don't have that sense of communication like we seem to have, you know, or at least a degree of it. We have, we're super fortunate to have had like good examples around us. And I think that helps, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know if like you guys have had that, but like Chris's dad, for example, he's really good about reframing situations or problems that you had and helping you look at it from a different angle and having people like that when especially when you know i'm like i quit like i don't know what else to do and chris is like well i can't help either and like we also have like a supporting group around us like you guys like your conversations with chris like i don't know if you realize this but like it jogs a lot down the road and like having friends like y'all and having like all our role models around us like it, it's much more impactful than you realize and it makes you super grateful for the work you have done. i guess like the not like the unconscious part of you that has chosen to keep the people around you and like why you chose to surround yourself with these people and it, it helps like when things get really hard yeah i know exactly what you mean the, the decisions i make is not it's not a smart decision for sure but it's definitely being able to know that there are people that we chose to keep in our lives who support us in the in this endeavor and if it's not this endeavor and we have a big marital fight we know that that same group of people are going to be there to help us fix it you know and without that then we would uh what's that what's that phrase that people use it takes a village it takes a yeah exactly it takes a village true statement okay so do you mind if i start diving back into these buckets yeah go ahead you are one of few <clears throat> who purposely separate your spouse from your family and friends. And something that really struck me deep was that you are kind of in a bit of a place where your your friends are treated very similar to your to your family. And I, th- I think that's awesome. I probably feel the same way. Like uh, I'm not any different around my friends than I'm than I am with my family. But my question is, what or how do you treat or see Chris differently than that level of friends and, and family? Oh, this is going to be the most elementary way to put it. Um, Chris is the only person in the world that I can tolerate 24-7. I hope this doesn't change, but I there's not enough time spent with him. And I don't feel... Rather, 
on the up the other side of that is that I don't get sick of them. Like I have some friends that you know, if I see them for three days straight, I'm like, if I don't see you for a month, that's fine. But there's not, I, I, I never have that feeling to where, okay, I'm done with you. Like, I don't want to see you for like X amount of time. If you're in the same room as me, that's cool. Um, we don't have to talk to each other, but you're there, I'm here, and I'm happy with that. And I think that's the only way I can, that's the only, I guess, like, tier of separation between Chris and my friends and family. And that's probably not the most satisfying answer, but uh, as someone who's like a super introvert, having found someone that you can tolerate all the time and you're happy to be around, it's really weird and different. And it makes me grateful that, you know, like there as an only child, like I'll always have someone. I think I think that's really, really rare because I've, I mean, obviously I've had a lot of these conversations and there are many married couples that I know. And they are happy, but even though they're happy and they're married to their spouse, they, there is this portion of the day that they would dedicate to themselves to work on themselves, so to speak. And it's not, I don't think it's because they don't tolerate them. It's just because they, they have, if they had to choose, they, they choose to spend X amount of time away from that spouse, either to maybe to grow, for them to grow closer together, to be a little bit apart. What's so rare is that you don't have that portion of this day where you purposely are away from your husband because you he is he's just tolerable <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's not i don't I mean that that's it, the bar like <laughs> oh he's just tolerable no 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 like i like him but <laughs> yeah and um so out of what 30 people that i've talked to i think i can think of one more couple where he said that every bit of that day has to include his spouse because he loves and cares about that person. He also said, you know, if I'm going to self self-care, self-improvement, self-awareness, any of that terminology, if I'm going to do mm-hmm. that, it's going to be through doing that with my my spouse. Like helping my spouse through their day allows me to learn more about myself. I would be inclined to say that some of that applies here. Like who you are and how you develop depends on how you choose to spend time with your spouse. Is that a safe assumption? Yeah. It's funny that you said like there's not like a time that I would want to spend apart, but there is there is one exception, and Chris knows this. So when I'm driving home, that's my quiet time. It's like my 25 minutes like to myself. And if he calls me in the middle of that, and I'm like I'm either like getting into a really good part of the podcast, or like I had a really bad day at work. I'm like, hey, I'm about to see you in 15 minutes. Like, can I talk to you when I get home? And like. That's just like the, I just need this to myself. Like, I promise when I get home, I'll be fully present. But right now, like, I'm just going to be annoyed at you and anything you ask me. Like, this is not going to end well. And I just need to be, like, to myself. As opposed to, like, getting home and being, like, continuing, like, whatever conversation that could have gone south. You know, like, by trying to force it right then and there. Other than that, you're typically fine with being with Chris all the time. But I don't know that I can say for sure that every self improvement moment like I would want to do with him um I don't know if that's like a personal personal preference where I have this like weird irrational fear of not knowing what I'm doing around people I know is that weird like um you say like, fear? for example like, did you use the word fear yeah or okay. like maybe fear is too strong of a word but it's like more of a um, an insecurity it's like I hate taking dance classes with people I know I hate taking any like learning new things with people that are in the same room or like people that I know are in the same room but with strangers like I'm perfectly cool with it and that may be like the only thing where even someone that I trust as much as Chris like 
I don't know that I'm comfortable enough to like do that. You think it's an ego thing? I'm gonna learn how to dance and I'm gonna look really stupid because I look stupid and I know you and I have an emotional attachment with you. You could easily remember this for the rest of our lives together, including tomorrow. Whereas a stranger, if I look totally stupid, I'll never see you again. And now there's a sense of disassociation. 99% of it. Okay. Yeah. So if you're, I guess, I guess you do have a bucket where there is that, that new discovery mode or learning and development bucket that we, we talked about. That's a good segue, actually. So knowing now that uh, there is a sense of ego involved in here, do you think Chris would be involved in this bucket? Or is this time to learn a new language without him? Or do you think he's still there? Or do you visualize him being there too? I think it would be one of those things where I'd be okay either way. Like if he chose to opt out of it, that's fine. Like I'm happy to do things by myself. And if he was there, I wouldn't be like, no, like you have to go. You have to leave. I, I don't know. I think it just depends on what that thing is maybe um like right now i'm sure he's told you already like we're in salsa classes and having him there is a comforting present presence like we're both learning together and it's fun but i don't I, I right now i can't think off the top of my head of what it would be to where i have to learn it by myself interesting it's like you brought up a point where you feel a little bit uncomfortable learning in front of people you know but in this case it doesn't apply to chris even though sometimes it applies to Chris. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you immediately thought of it, but it doesn't apply. And I thought, well, I'm curious. Why bring it up in the first place? I think it's maybe, okay, maybe dancing is a bad example. Because, like, I think I, I'm okay with having Chris in the room because he knows how to dance. So, like, I trust him, you know? Like, he's like, I'm like, you know what you're doing. I'm going to follow you. Mm-hmm. But if it's, like, the blind leading the blind, I think, like, that's harder for me in uh, that situation. Okay. okay. I get that a lot, actually. So, so in terms of, like, basket weaving... That's probably something you two wouldn't learn together. Yeah. No. So I am curious, is there something specific right now that you would really love to learn how to do? I don't know why, but the first thing that came to my head is coding. <laughs> okay. I don't... I, so, like, Carly Kloss, right, like, the supermodel that started a... Like, she started a summer camp for girls to learn how to code, to, like, improve, like, you know, powering women through in, like, the tech field thought that was super dope but i'm like man i wish i was like a middle schooler like now so i could go to camp like that but also like there's just something super for me personally so i'm a woman in oil and gas right and that's not necessarily an industry that's littered with women in leadership positions and there's something super encouraging about seeing women succeed in what's typically like a male dominated industry and coding is like a super dope skill like you could make so many things and fix issues that like automating your life i don't know like that would be so awesome i love efficiency so if it's something that I can figure out how to do on my own to make processes better for me or find a solution for someone else, still helps people or hopefully could help people. That'd be super cool. So why not do it? Honestly, it hasn't piqued my interest enough to like want to do it. I did sign up for like a boot camp course that was free, but it was like 80 hours long. I don't know about that. Something that I like, I picked it up with stuff. Like, I don't know if you remember, but we went through our calligraphy phase. Yeah, I remember that. It's uh, it's my goal to pick that back up in 2020. One of my goals is to get enough supplemental income to really start making like future goals a reality. And so, or even just like emergency planning, like without asking for help, you know, I'm an only child. So I have, I'm super fortunate to say that my parents are kind of my landing pad. 
Like if something really bad happens, I have people to fall back on other than like what's in my savings account. Um, but I really want to try and step away from that and not have to like, you know, eventually really like cut the cord and be like, okay, cool. Like mom and dad, like thanks for all your help. And I appreciate for every, like everything that you might still give me from here on out. But now like, I'm good. I got this. You worry about you. And as I'm getting closer and closer to, <laughs> to Crosley put it, my uterus expiring, like I really need to get it together. And so I want to create that padding for myself without really putting so much or taking on overhead to, to like making money. Like I already have what I need to learn. I already have what I need to get better at it. Like it really shouldn't be that hard from like getting good enough to monetize it and then go from there as opposed to like coding where... I had to put in so much work. It's not really like a side job thing. It's like a career change type of learning or at least like the application of that learning. So I think trying to pick something more realistic and more easily applicable is the smarter route for me. Um, I, I, I just, <clears throat> I would encourage you, as you listen to this audio file again, you have provided way more reasons to do something versus not to do something. Um, as you listen to this audio file, especially portion where you say, um, here is a skill set that is underutilized or underappreciated in this industry, especially for women. Here is something that could provide supplemental income to provide to, to give me a landing pad that is not that is not my parents. And I choose not to do this because it's 80 hours because life just gets in the way. And there's way more pluses than there is these little minuses. And you're right, maybe it's not coding. But there's not enough to say that it's not coding. Like there's not a, you don't have a huge gambit of reasons why it shouldn't be coding other than the fact that there are smarter things to do or smarter ways to put your time. And maybe coding isn't the the way, but if there are other ways, then the efforts that you put forth probably should be towards finding what those other ways are. If that's the case, if it's not, if you're not going to put effort towards it, then you're really just stuck in this limbo of knowing that there should be something that I, that could give me a landing pad. I thought it could be coding, but it's not. And you're really stuck in between the two. Plus, <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not calling you out. I'm just saying when you listen to it, I hope that it, this is this portion is emphasized. That's all I'm saying. So maybe I am calling you out. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to I'm going to save the tiny clip. And then like every time I have like a like a breakdown of like what I need to be doing or just like kind of go off track and be like, hey, just listen to this when you get lost. <laughs> Well, light a fire under you really good example is i was talking to um i was talking to um one of our other friends they used to own a dance studio a fitness studio and they they they're still doing this coaching thing this fitness coaching thing and she gave me this testimony of how she got into this dance studio i mean this i keep saying dance studio, this fitness studio in the first place right it was i used to work this job and i hated it but i did it because i was really good at it and it paid the bills and everyone loved me and then there was this opportunity where someone asked me to give a speech about how dance beneficial for your health and how it could reduce dementia and it could re reduce your I don't know blood pressure stuff like that she got into the science of it and then at the end of it all of her co-workers are like damn it I've never heard you talk so passionately about this you know I've, you never talk about our actual work like you just did that really that was the driving force that caused her to quit her job and go land into a self-created uh, fitness studio 
This concludes the episode and conversation that I had with Patricia. We talked a lot about her husband, her constant desire to learn something new, and her need to choose to do nothing, or everything, depending on the day. That choice can either be to veg out on the couch or educate areas in third world countries. Another reminder that the perfect day is subjective, and it all starts with choice. Have a great day. Bye-bye.